broadcasting from a dark basement office. The FBI's most unwanted presents the X-Files podcast. Well, we are back, Josh. Dude, uh, the first thing I thought of leading into this episode was I thought of one Orenthal Simpson. Do you remember him? Remember old old Jay himself? Oh, yes. Mr. Ornthal. Mr. Ornthal James. Yeah. Fresh off a decap, eluding the police. Uh, Sorry, an alleged decap. He was never convicted beyond a reasonable doubt for that crime that occurred on that fateful night. But uh, was this- did not fit, my friend. The gloves, yeah. You must have quit. Um, So question for you. I'm assuming, I didn't look it up, but I'm assuming this came after that. Well, season- Three, four, six. Season six. So we're talking 99, 2000? Yeah, makes sense. OJ was like 93, right? Yeah, well before that. Yeah. Yep. 94. Um, Also, uh, some allusions to speed. I think they make a joke about that in the episode. Ah. Actually, in the episode, which is kind of funny. And, uh, man, I always forget the name of it. There's a pretty bad, kind of cheesy Charlie Sheen movie. The Chase. The chase. The only thing I remember about it is that they're being chased, and they have sex in the driver's seat during a high-speed pursuit. They do. Yep. And uh, he has that great line, which we've mentioned before on this very program, where he tells the guy to kick the gun to him, and the guy kicks it past him, and he's like, over to me, Pele. That was in the the preview. That's why I remember it so well. Yes. Oh, no shit. Okay. But um, yeah, old Charlie Sheen, and what's her name? Christy Swanson. Original Buffy, which is weird to say. Oh, and uh, fucking Henry Rollins was in that movie. <laughs> no, does he play a cop? Of course. Guy only plays cops and criminals, right? Which is hilarious because not a huge fan of the police when he was a young man, <laughs> as he no. saw his, as he was treated very poorly by a friend of his who got his brains blown out right near him. Mm, yeah. yeah. Tough so one. should we should we talk about uh No, let's talk about tough. police blowing people's brains out and really <laughs> stoke the fires of fun. Because you know it's all about unity now, Josh. I don't know if you heard. But uh, oh, good. speaking of unity, let's uh let's unite our powers and discuss this episode. And discuss why we are here to talk about this episode. Ooh, if you're looking at your buddy. feet and you're like, what the fuck, season six? Hmm? What are we doing? This is weird. This is weird. Well, the reason is, is that we recently had a little quiz, the season three X quiz. Yes. And uh, the the winner, the grand winner, Poobah, Mr. Mikey Marinara, uh, went through the assortment, the, the delicious assortment of prizes we offered, and he handpicked the bounty. Yes. He chose to pick an episode we have not covered yet and get immediate coverage of it. And he went ahead and picked. He brush. reached up that beautiful Italian hand as if he was pulling a grape off of a vine, and he said, he "Reached those. This one is for you, fat, hairy sausage fingers, <laughs> <laughs> right over." And he said, uh, "I want to pick one of my all-time favorites, Drive." Yes, this is. This is I'm, I'm reading his comment now. Brian Cranston does such a phenomenal job and makes a historical performance as Vince Gilligan has said that this episode put him on the radar for Breaking Bad a decade later. And that's not to take anything away from Anderson or Duchovny. They're separated from each other practically the entire time, yep. and it takes nothing away from the episode's potency. I think the seriousness of the situation and the peppering of humor, lightheartedness, make this an amazing episode. It's also one of my favorite plot lines. I'm not sure what it is, but the covert operations of the government and the usage of ELF, 
ELF as a wep- uh, waves as a weapon is such an interesting concept to me, and the fact it was an accident makes it scarier. To top it all off, Mark Snow's score hits the nail on the head. This was such a great way to show the newly tuning in masses how great this cult show could be coming right off a blockbuster movie. Uh, anyway, rambled on. Thank you so much for all the laughs. Hope you guys and the other listeners enjoy my pick. You guys are really professional podcasters. I hope you sign stuff for me. And that was uh, <clears throat> Mike Marinero. I, oh, I yeah. didn't add anything to that. No editorializing there. Nope. Well, check this out. It was kind of a thing. There was just... You know, sometimes, well, oftentimes, okay, all the time, Hollywood will go through these trends where they're doing this thing, and they always have these weird trends. There was, a, shortly before, or right around this time, there was this goofy trend of, like, skydiving pictures, you know, like, oh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a skydive instructor that gets wrapped up in, like, you know, CIA shenanigans. It's, it's always something, <laughs> right? Like, and then they had the thing where it was driving movies, like, oh, I can't stop the thing, or... You know, like you said, the chase is always like these, and not a ton, like a few come out. And then, of course, sometimes TV will replicate that. But boy, <clears throat> I, I understand Speed is a good movie. I didn't love it as a kid, but I'd have to see it again because everyone's like, no, it's, it's fucking solid, which I believe, by the way. Shoot the hostage. <laughs> so, um, but Drive is a really good episode of TV. It's really, it's really compelling because at the outset, these kinds of, in a, maybe it's just my, my gut reaction to the idea of this is like, ugh, I don't care. Because it makes me think of that weird subgenre of movies. So like that subgenre of movies is almost radioactive. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like all yeah. this, like the half-life of radiation is so long, you know, it's like Chernobyl. Like I'm still affected by this idea of, oh great, we're going to be in a, what's the gimmick? We're in a, stuck in a car and we have to drive the whole time. Like and, somebody came out with a movie about a like uh, a government building being taken over by terrorists. Like that's remember how that, that was like a big thing. Yes. Limp has fallen and like 20 other yes. ones all within like a couple of years in Die Hard's the original, right? Yeah. Which is yeah. fantastic. I mean, no, there's seventies movies about shit like that, but you know what I mean? Like that, the way it was done, the way it was depicted, but, but the good news is that was tempered against the fact that I remember this episode being very good. I was going to ask, you do recall this one. I do recall this one. I, uh, yes. I'm not sure if we've talked, we, we have to have talked about it on the, on the show at some point, but do you remember how many or which seasons you ever watched? Did you ever watch any of them as they were coming out? Ne- never, 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 never. Okay. All right. Nope. Um, a quick, I want, I want to quickly address the live chat, by the way, liverstreetgeek.net slash live. All X-Files shows are done live. You can chime in on the fly. It's a ton of fun. Great community. You should check it out. Very turn horny. my attention right now. Very horny. Local Audrey says skydiving question mark. Really? And yes. And you know what's so funny about that? Charlie Sheen is in the chase and Charlie Sheen is in a movie called Terminal Velocity. Holy shit. Go fucking figure. He's in both trendy movies at the to- oh, of yeah. the time. And then the other one was 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 Drop Zone with uh, Wesley Snipes. Like skydiving pictures. I'm like, are you kidding and, me? And then of course there's also uh, Operation Dumbo Drop. <laughs> How could we forget? <laughs> Which... How could we forget? Really brought it home. Hell yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So yes. Uh, yes, in fact. But I um, I do remember this episode being good. I remember watching it before I knew who Brian Cranston was and thinking that was a really compelling piece of TV. I really enjoyed it, you know? So I was excited to revisit it because I haven't revisited it since knowing who Brian Cranston will become. 
it's like I'm a time traveler, right? And now right. I get to go back with this new perspective and watch this for the first time. It's very interesting. It is funny because I think we're used to, I feel like most of the, oh, this is, you know, this is uh, Seth Green. This is, you know, Giovanni Ribisi. I mean, I feel like usually it's kind of, uh, hmm. even if it's, the role isn't lighthearted, it, it feels lighthearted to talk about. Like, oh, Giovanni Ribisi is an X-Files episode. You know, Ryan Reynolds, that's so funny. Like, sure. But Brian Cranston, it's, I don't know, is it the fact that he's not a young man at this point and, and it's a very serious role? And I don't know, it just feels different. It feels much heavier and not more dramatic. Not a young man and, at what point in the point of this episode? Yeah, I mean, he's not old, but like when you look at, like when you see Giovanni or Seth Green or Ryan Reynolds, like those guys that yeah, have yeah, said, yeah. they're like, they they look like fucking kids. They Yes, exactly. That's different. Like, um, I think he's like, I think he's only like, he's like, well, he's close to 40, I think in this, but, um, but still your point is taken, which is a lot of times it's people, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe Brian Cranston sort of peaked late. You know how you hear about that with certain guys? I, I haven't really looked at his IMDb in a long time. I'm sure he's been acting since way before his role in X-Files, but really somebody going, wow, who is this guy? Right. Do you, well, do you know what I'm saying? First real breakout. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, it, it, this could have contributed to it as already suggested, but he did a ton of TV. He's a TV actor who's recently moved into film, I guess, but um, he's done some movies here and there, but mostly shitloads of TV. A lot of TV. Yeah. It's funny. They used to be like a bad thing and now it's back to like no TV kidding. Is, is king again. Even yeah. before COVID, it was trending that way with all the, all the different premium streaming shit, you know? Absolutely, dude. Absolutely. Yep. Cool. So um, this movie, this this movie, this I do that all the time. This episode is a great star. I mean, it pounds us right into a Fox News report, right, and then this really cool helicopter shot of a high speed chase. Yeah, I, I love the that cold open with you know f- from the actual perspective of of. Uh, of a TV cast. That was really cool. If it was nowadays though, and it was, <laughs> they would be like, we're almost certain Fox news covering. We're almost certain he is some sort of crazy liberal Democrat driving the car with Suspected ties Antifa to Antifa. Member. Exactly. BB to it. Right. <laughs> and, and if it was CNN, they'd be like, we understand that he is a right wing extremist, right? They don't, it's, they, and, then, and then he says, are you some kind of Jew cop? And you're like, oh, ooh, ooh, well. I know. I, so can we get right to that? I don't want to bury the lead. <laughs> I did not remember that part of it. I, I didn't like, either. Whoa. I don't know if I, I don't know if that does anything for me in this episode. It honestly, I liked it because I'm like, that's the thing. There's a bunch of fucking weirdos out there who think that, you know, is there a the, is there a Jew FBI conspiracy? I didn't even know about it. If there is, I mean, I think equivalent kind of things. You know, whether it's right. specifically that. But so, so let me ask you this: Did it feel a little stereotypical for a guy from a trailer park to be, or do you think it's just is more of an accurate? Like, let me let me tell you what I was doing. I was like, are they trying to set us up to feel less sympathy for this guy? I, I, because I yeah. find him very sympathetic. And I, th- I think especially with the GFBI conspiracy. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, of course. <laughs> I really but, love his politics, mostly. <laughs> right? I like but, his um, worldview. Um, no, it's a good question, actually. You make me think about it a little bit more analytically. And I think, I think maybe it is to balance it a little bit because otherwise. He's too sympathetic? Maybe you get too sympathetic. I think you want to. 
But he should be. He's not. What's he done wrong? Right. But but if it's just because here's the thing, there's no there's no monster in the episode. So if he's really sympathetic right from the get go, you lose a lot of tension. We need a monster. So make a GFBI conspiracy. <laughs> I mean, what the fuck? Hey, the, the real monsters are the fucking Zionistine who created this whole thing in the first place. And they're turning the frogs gay. Oh, no, fuck. no, but he, you know what I mean though? If there's no, if he's feel, super sympathetic, then, then you lose the tension of like, okay, there's a situation, but like, it's just Mulder in this, in the car. With I, this I guy think it, feel, I, 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 here's what I think it is. I think you're right. And I think that's my only dig on the episode, to be perfectly frank, is that they want us to not be sure about this guy. So they have they throw in the the like Jew FBI thing, right? I think I think because they want us to know is he gonna do something crazy or not? And that they really relied on that piece of dialogue for us to go, oh, okay. You, you, you know what I mean? Like we don't know what he's gonna do at this point. We're not sure. Yeah. But I'm, so, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm thinking about this on the fly, to be perfectly frank. I get you. I get you. you so you would have preferred – I mean, you get where they're coming. Do you, do you disagree with the choice of, like, the writing choice to make that the thing? Or do you think they didn't need to try to make him uh, less sympathetic or balance him out? So I think – I th- here's what I was thinking. So here's, here's – I, I, I was thinking – as soon as he said it, as soon as he said, Jew, FBI, I went, okay, when this guy dies, they want us to feel a little less bad for him. Like, that was my <laughs> gut reaction. I'm serious. I'm serious. Yeah. And I was like, that's kind of shitty. That's shitty writing to me. But I think, I think what I do like about it is the fact that Mulder kind of, he, he's a little taken aback by it at first. And then he, and then he just sort of comes to know the guy and, and feel bad for the guy anyway. So, on the one hand, I think it was kind of weak, but on the on the strength part of it is the fact that it doesn't really stop Mulder from feeling some sort of sympathy for him at the end of this because he's a victim. Like he, this guy is a victim regardless of what he thinks or says, right? Right. V- victims don't all necessarily have to be like people you want to be best friends with. Right. And the chat keeps saying, if you think about it, if you immediately trust the police, yeah, but you, <laughs> you can distrust the government and not hate Jews. Dean raises his hand. <laughs> do you understand oh, you're you're you, so you're okay with the zionist movement or what? My, so no so my point is you can make somebody distrust the government and be like something's fucked up here and like brian cranston's a good enough actor for us to go okay he's a guy that's been afflicted by something he has certain views on the government he he's kind of a country bumpkin that's fine and he doesn't believe Mulder for a second he doesn't trust him he doesn't need to not trust him because he's a Jew. Do you understand? Like the government, his anti-government stance is enough to be like, I don't trust you guys. Fuck you. I don't believe anything you're telling me. And then for them to kind of overcome that over the course of the drive without throwing in the racial epithet, I guess is my point. It felt- but I think, I think if you just don't like, and I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you. I'm kind of playing devil's advocate. No, if you, by all if means. If you don't throw the fucking Jew thing in there, then- if it's just he doesn't trust He's the government, too, you think you think Mulder's too sympathetic to him. Well, I think the audience, like, and I maybe mean, Mulder too, because Mulder doesn't trust him either, right? That's right, the point. Mulder number one, he's like, Oops, dude, bump fist, number one fan, don't trust right. the fucking government. You know, I think they they want to make him kind of to make the audience sort of recoil from him. Like, of course, the fuck is right. this guy? Right. And that's a pretty fucking easy layup way to do it. 
It is. It is. Um, I get it. Uh, yeah, I get it. I, mean, I know I what you're it. saying. I get it. I, I get, it. I get it. I'm not yeah. saying it. By the way, love the episode. I just want to make that clear. But um, I, I, it made me go, oh man, like that's too bad. And I don't know why. I don't. Maybe, maybe because in 2020 and 2021, everything is racially like everything's about race. And, and it wasn't that way as much back in the day. And maybe I'm just reflexively, like, I'm being completely open honest with you guys. Maybe I'm just reacting to it, like, oh, here we fucking go again. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I guess they could have dropped I'm being honest. The, I'm just being honest. They could have dropped the Jew thing because my, my, maybe my favorite line in any X-Files episode of all time is uh, when he's talking, when Crump, our boy here, Cranston, <laughs> is talking about the things the the government does, like Agent Orange or... yeah. Putting radiation in little retarded kids' gonads. <laughs> <laughs> and that is some shit that a fucking country bumpkin would say. That line, hilarious yet horrific, is exactly what a guy like this would, would probably say. In you know, I guess, I guess, I guess, I just eye rolled at oh, country bumpkin doesn't like juice. Like here we go, yay! You know what I mean? But I know, yeah. I'm fine. It's fine. I, I was just. I wanted to scrutinize a little bit, but also not be so stubborn because I understand that, you know, as I think more about it, there's nothing, when you watch this guy, you're like, God, I feel bad for this fucking guy. And I guess if you feel bad for him the whole time, maybe you aren't quite sure. I don't know. I I feel like you could still feel bad for him and he's sitting behind you with a gun to your back of the head because at the end of the day, he has a gun on you. So the sympathy is going to be a little harder to come by when he's commanding you and, and he's he's harming you by abducting you. He's got you as a hostage. That's harm in and of itself, right? Like, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I, th- I think you might have hit the nail on the head by saying that a lot of it probably comes down to the lens you watch things with because of what we're fucking hammered over the head with these sure, days. Sure, 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 sure. That if even... If you watched this episode three or four years ago, I think it probably is less, that's less like a, oh God, what are we I'm, doing here? I, I'm willing to admit that that's probably true. But I still think it's valid. Dean, yeah. I hear you Ugh. and your opinions are valid. Ugh. <laughs> I like your truth. It's your truth. Mm, great. Cool. Um, anyway, <laughs> let's go back to uh, to the, the, does it feel really fucking the the Fox News coverage thing does that feel dated or does that feel kind of like- feels perfectly of the time? Okay, that's yes, that's yeah. It feels perfectly of the time, and it made me think to myself like this is the inception of the twenty four hours news cycle. It it really is like yeah. They covered OJ endlessly, and it, that wasn't a thing, dude. Right, and it and and we became obsessed with knowing everything all the time, constantly. Like, we can't stop. We're like we're like addicts for it now, right? That's why people will watch news all day. It's crazy. People will watch news all day long. And it's this interesting, it's birthed of this. And they're like, we, we don't know what's being said. Um, we, we, they're, they're, they're speaking to him. He's communicating, right? I re- that, that's a thing in like car chases. That was a thing in OJ. Like he's, he's still on the highway. He's, we, they're trying to get his attention. They're, they're, they're slowing fill, down. They got to right? fill airtime. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. They can't yeah. just silently show. They have to just keep talking. Keep fucking talking. Yes. And that is, that is the death of the, the beginning, the knell of the death of like actual TV news is the fact that when it didn't become about informing you and it just became about, I don't know if it ever was that, but rate, rate, it's straight about, ratings. Yeah. Yeah. Ratings and advertising and filling air. Yep. And it's like, you know, 
God, it's like f- you have the talents of a fucking baseball color commentator. You just have to fill air in between pitches. It's <laughs> fucking brutal. No offense to Remy. I mean, let's let's, let's watch our ass here, pal. <laughs> rem dog. <laughs> fucking rem dog. But no, like um, I I thought this when I watched it. It's so it, it was so powerfully reminiscent of the OJ chase, and I've said it five times because of the way they covered it. I'm like, damn, dude, this is. This is perfect. It's dated, but but so is if you watch slang guys using slang in Saving Private Ryan. Do you know what I mean? Like it makes sense that they would yes. talk the way they talk. So it's it's dated. Uh, yeah, dated means it, it looks uh, uh, like what you said. It, it perfectly of its time. I think of its time. That yeah. was the alternative I wanted to present, and, I, and you yeah. nailed it by describing it that way. Um, and yet, still like really effective. And I like how it jumps back and forth between actually showing what's happening on, you know, on the scene from a tighter camera perspective and back and forth. Sure. And dude, I remembered as soon as Mike sent the thing, I'll go with drive. First thing I thought it was like Brian Cranston, whatever. But one of my first few recollections of the episode was that, you know, helicopter POV woman banging her head against the window. And dude. then the fucking splatter like, fuck damn. I mean, what a cool way to make, it's it's just a very clever way to make make something horrific and violent, it very visceral while actually showing almost nothing and being really far away from it. For some reason, I think because you kind of get caught up in the fact of like imagine like watching this live and this person is talking over it and they don't know what's happening and the audience doesn't know what's happening and then boom, it fucking happens. And for some reason, that almost makes it like more ghastly than if you really set it up and it was a little bit even you know showed more with great special effects um i know i I really like the way they did i agree i think it makes it seem much more real to shoot it with what is a seemingly like this news coverage effect the splatter is so much better than if it just occurred not in that situation yeah right right It, it, it has a air of um they call that film style something i don't remember what it's called begins with a v it's a fancy mat word but um that idea bifurcated <laughs> nope i don't think that's the one okay. i think you made that up sir <laughs> a v as in victor by the way not b <laughs> i said bifurcated oh you son of a bitch i was being a douche <laughs> then yes you did make that word up congrats <laughs> yes but no um yeah i do like that in that and then we get this great transition over to our agents realizing that they are on fertilizer detail some guy some farmer ordered 5,000 uh, pounds of fertilizer. And of course, he's a googly-eyed fuck because, you know, he doesn't live in a city. <laughs> they, they do. <laughs> I guess. The- <laughs> Sons this, of bitches. This guy's yeah. just fucking breathing fertilizer. They do. I guess between that and the Jew cop thing, you know, it, does, <laughs> doesn't, it doesn't really speak well for middle America. Yeah, exactly. But guess what? It's made by fucking Hollywood, so they don't give a shit. They don't give a fuck. They love beating up on those people. Yeah. Um, for a slight context, we won't get too into it because we're covering this out of sequence and everything. But um, the, what's weird right now, and you kind of get some of the perspective in this episode, especially at the end with Kirsch, there is no X-Files. Um, okay, in, yes. Thank you for the perspective here. Yeah. So this – and Mike mentioned something in his comment. In between season five and season six was a big deal, a big transition. That's when the first movie came out. That's when it was set to take place. Season six is when 
they moved to actually this is fucking hilarious because of what we're saying they moved from Vancouver to Hollywood, so they really got to beat up on those fucking Middle America white douchebags. Um, so season six starts out after the movie. X Files has been disbanded. They're 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 wasting their time with boring shit like domestic terrorism. Nobody cares about that. <laughs> Dude, that reminds me of that great fucking line in The Wire where uh, McNulty has his FBI buddy. And they're like, what are you doing? And I was like, kind of terrorism. And then they're like, oh, because they got all these crazy drug things. He's like, well, what about this? He's like, listen, if their last name ain't fucking Bin Laden, we ain't interested. <laughs> like all the FBI are like, fucking drugs are on you guys now, man. We got other shit to do. <laughs> so funny, right? Yeah, it aired. So, and by the way, because we're talking about it and, and timing, it aired in 98, November 98. So, you know, nobody blown up the World Trade Center yet. So I guess domestic terrorism oh, yeah. wasn't all that sexy. It was just, you know. Well, what about um, Oklahoma City? Yeah, that's the one, right? With fertilizer. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, that's that's how you make bombs. Fertilizer. Yeah. Good now stuff. they just use tannerite. Well, yeah. yeah. What's that? I don't know. I just was. I saw a uh, I saw a thing on it on YouTube or or uh, something like that, mm. and um, it was they were using it for something. I don't know. It's like a dynamite type of thing. If you if you just Google tannerite. Yeah. The, and then the, you get arrested right after. <laughs> then you're on a watch list. It was always, um, although homemade explosive. I might be I, saying it wrong. It's something yeah. like that. Yeah. It was um, <laughs> called anal. A-N-A-L. Ammonium nitrate aluminum powder. Ooh. That, that, that was the uh, the main homebrew um, for making bombs. Interesting. In my, did you learn in, my in the time. Marine Corps? <laughs> yeah, I did. I don't know if you I don't know if you know this, but I was the, <laughs> you dickhead. I was in the Marines, <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> Company XO, it's fine. <laughs> I controlled lives. No big whoop, uh, you know. Yeah, no big deal. <laughs> I don't even think that's. So I, I guess think that was I'm actually the last <laughs> episode that we talked about this in. So we'll really come out of nowhere. So what Josh is trying to say, don't fuck with him, or he'll snatch your kids away from you. With a couple of well-placed strikes. Me and my fucking Jew buddies from the government will show up and... We'll kill your kids. <laughs> fucking kill your kids and stuff. Radiation in their little retarded gonads. Jesus Christ, man. This is beautiful. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so anyway, Mulder and Scully are wasting their time dealing with mm-hmm. domestic terrorism instead of mm-hmm. looking for fucking, you know, big blue out in the lake. <laughs> they ain't saying Megas how dare they pay attention to terrorism not aliens (laughs) (laughs) holy shit that's funny man but it's it's so Mulder right to just they they literally that's that's the other cool tie-in about the TV thing is it's not just it's not just for our sake that's how Mulder sees it right so the fact that they're showing the TV perspective it's a cool way to open the episode it's neat but it also it plays out in the episode because Fucking, they catch it on TV, and Mulder's like, "Hey, you know, we can, we can, we can hop away from doo doo duty for a little bit, day in, day out. We'll get in. It'll be easy. Nobody will, nobody will be the wiser." He fucking hits her with a double eyebrow raise, and that's it. They're that's off, it. over. Scully, you know, talks about falling orders and doing their job. That's fucking <laughs> silly. That's, that's silly stupid. talk to Mulder. Who wants a pension? You know. Mm. I hope to be slinging fucking French fries at Friendly's when I'm 67 because I can't make ends meet and I need new diabetic socks. But yeah, yeah. sure, we'll do but what yeah, you want to do. Perfect partner, though. <laughs> Fuck, perfect <man>. partner. 
Um, th- this uh, the police captain was really familiar to me. The guy totally. that they meet up with. Yeah, totally. Did, um, you, look, did you look him up? I was Mi- just Mike O'Neill is the guy's name. Yeah, and maybe it's just from like similar. I feel like he's in the X Files movie too. I'm, I could be wrong about that. I'm, he's in the uh, Tom Clancy Jack Ryan series. I have not watched that. I've heard I haven't good either. Things. Oh, really? Yeah. I was wondering. I feel like it would be shitty because it's not on like a good channel because some one of those assholes now. Oh, yeah. What's it on? Um, you con my bluff, bitch. <laughs> Trying to embarrass me over he's here. On, he's in uh, <laughs> a lot of TV. 24 Jag. Uh, oh, I know. He looks he, like a Jag he, type, don't he? He was in a shitload of episodes of The West Wing. He was one of the oh. secret, secret Service agents. I watched a bunch of that back in the day. Oh, wait. Jack Ryan's on Amazon. I might be wrong about it, dude. Never mind. I thought it was on network television. Oh, no. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think, cool. um, I think it's from from that, from uh, from West Wing. That's what I'm he's, he's been in so much shit. him from. Um, oh, he was in Dallas Buyers Club. There you go. An award-winning movie. Probably be the comp in that, too. That's the one where... Um, uh, what the hell is that guy's name? Matthew McConaughey gets the white man's flu. <laughs> doesn't do too hot in that movie. Is but, that AIDS? Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. The white the, man's flu. It's the white man's bug right there, man. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So what do you think? So <laughs> Mike, uh, Mikey Marinara in his comment, he mentioned Mulder and Scully being split up. And we're going to get to that pretty quick here because one yes. of the first things they do if they get on scene they get spun up a little bit by the captain. Um, it's a fun little change instead of them, the usual uh, routine with a local cop where he's annoyed they're stepping in. He's kind of stoked they're there. Yeah, because I like this. This is nice. They're kind of flummoxed, right? Yes, this is a nice change. Yeah, and not beating that that same old right. drum, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, I don't want to get in here and you're taking, oh, no, I jurors my addiction. Right, all that shit. You and all your Jew buddies in D.C.? <laughs> Yeah, Jesus like Christ, you too, Mulder says. <laughs> what is going on in Idaho? Fucking 2,000 years and still? You motherfucker. <laughs> he just shoots him in the neck. That long-ass giraffe neck he has. But, got, um, he, oh, he's got a real neck on him. Got a real, got a real choker's delight under his chin, <laughs> don't he? <laughs> but no, he... Um, um, so the split-up works very well for me. And it's something I, I agree, and it's something that we often have looked to as unfavorable, yeah, unfavorably, like something that sometimes maybe handicaps episodes. I think and I know why. I wanted to ask you why, so tell me why. I think because first of all, Rob Bowman directs this, and when they get out to the trailer area, just the first of all, the look that is amazing. It dope. looks dope. It looks like a movie to me, but I think because both. I think part of the problem is oftentimes when one when these two get split up, one is engaged in more compelling behavior than the other. And I understand the movie's called the movie. The episode's called Drive, and Drive is very integral to the fucking entire picture. But dude, it's really compelling what Scully's doing. Right. It's it's not just she's not just poking around a lab for the sake of poking around in the lab. She's finding out autopsying and getting out in the field, you know? Yeah, get out in the field, dealing with a possible, I mean, she's in quarantine lockdown. She's calling CDC. She's calling shots. She's telling, yeah. you know, telling the police captain what to do. Um, and maybe that's what it is. Is that it, I think a lot of times you're right. It's one of them is in the action and the other one is basically on office duty. One is, how about this? 
it's the, the the formula is one's in the action, the other one's supplementing that action by giving the character in the main action information about the main action, right? Yes, which is happening. But the difference is is that Scully gets wrapped up in interesting physical action herself. That looks really cool. I can't stress that enough. It looks awesome. When they show up in those suits at the trailer park? It's a dope, dude. This is such a great shot episode. First of all, shooting in cars, that moment where he's talking to Scully on the phone and that fucking magnum barrel just slides into the frame. I'm like, that's Bowman doing... It's because it's super suspenseful. Like He's on the phone talking. You see the gun barrel bunk right in his neck and you're like, damn, that was a cool shot. Just cool stuff like that to really... Again, you know, it's like you, you're you're trying to tell a story visually, and it's a moment where you can write that down on paper. You can write, you know, the man in the backseat sticks the gun in his neck, and you can go, okay, cool. But then you can show it in a way that doesn't reveal it until you until it's really right there, and it hits you so quickly visually. Like I can read a sentence that says he sticks the gun barrel into the back of Mulder's neck, and I go, okay, I I conjure what that means. Or I can slide a gun barrel into the frame and kind of shock the viewer in, in a quick way. Like, Dude. your brain takes that information in very fast versus if you were to read something like that. Does that make sense, what I'm trying to say? Such a good point, man. It's shocking. And it's shocking the way it's filmed. It's shocking. It's a, great, it's a great example to point to to illustrate the bigger point of how good this episode looks, how good Rob Bowman, and, and just kind of the show in general, like, Obviously, we fucking love the show. We have a podcast about it. But sometimes I get a little bit caught up in my subjective, like, yeah, I, I love the X Files because I love the X Files, and forget just like how good, like how good TV it was. It's yeah. funny that what you just talked about making driving in a car look interesting, right, dude? Go watch other shit from this era. It's funny. I've been watching. Um, I've been like kind of my. Like background catch up, like watch a thing a lot recently has been Buffy, mm. which is a fun show. Um, and I, I think it's written pretty damn well too. To be it's, honest, with you. yes, it's. I mean, it's written very well. Joss Whedon. There's a lot of cool shit there. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of like teen drama stuff. Of, that of, of course, of course, can be challenging. But but it's um, not. It's not. You're you're not watching from a visual standpoint. No, it's just a it's different not. It's caliber. not visual flair. It's, it's, and, and they it's weren't a, going for that. And I don't think no, they had. No. They don't. They never had the budget that X Files had and shit like that. But that's more it, quippy you know, dialogue and good storytelling yeah, versus visually engaging you. There was just an episode recently, like two people driving in a car having a conversation, and it's that like. Mm-hmm. I don't even think they're really driving. They're sitting in a. You know, there's so much of that on TV. And then what you like? How you just describe that in an episode where you have one of the main characters doing nothing but being in a car largely and to still make it not just interesting as a story and a plot, but visually that's uh that's fucking difficult to do. Mm. And uh, man, I feel like you know, a lot in- of times it's, it's Rob Bowman when, when we're talking about visually interesting things. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, two, two things about that idea is that it, it would almost be like saying, I give you two scenes side by side. One's assuming you don't speak Spanish. One's written in Spanish. One's written in English. And you, you just absorb the information so much faster versus if you had the one in Spanish and you're like, I'm rudimentary at it. I'm going to use Google and I'm going to use the translator a little bit. And then the information is just kind of coming to your head just at a slower pace, right? Yeah. It's just this, with visual with a visual medium, I can just, I can open with something and you go, whoa. Like the opening of Blade Runner 2049. 
I could describe that to you with really great prose. I could be a sufficiently amazing writer. And you can- Can you? you, Not me. No, I'm just kidding. I I can only sign my fucking name. But but then- But then- um, you know, you could have a guy like Villeneuve say, okay, like a spinner is going to come in over the top with that fucking noise and that music come in and you go, whoa. Like I communicate so much to your brain in seconds. Now on the flip side, to give the written word some love, you also have moments like we're, we're covering Dune, you know, where Duke Leto is standing there looking outside and he's thinking about all these things that are very important, that you'll never get in a movie ever, right? So like, on the one hand, I don't know what a character is ever thinking, and I, and, and I don't understand like their point of view sometimes because I don't know where they're coming from. And that can be communicated very strongly in the written word, but in the visual medium, and why Bowman's so good is he can do this. Like, he can, he can fucking make it exciting. Um, you know, I was thinking about watching this because of Tarantino, if you go back and watch Pulp Fiction, when Jules and Vincent are conversing in the car, you it's not superly overly compelling until they shoot Marvin accidentally, but um, it's just two guys bullshitting, and it's so compelling because he's a master dialogue writer, right? Yeah, I mean- You listen to them talking about a royale, which she's like, nobody heard anything like that before. We're like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's, you felt like you were in the car, and this is something your buddies would be talking about, right? Yes. And it made simple things interesting. Um, and I will give Matt a little credit. He talks about this a lot. He says, when people are doing dialogue in movies, it's super compelling when you watch them and they're doing something. They're not just standing across from each other talking. Maybe they're eating an apple. Maybe they're bouncing a ball. Maybe they're typing at a typewriter like in Shining, right? Like there has to be a little bit of physical action in the discussion and it really brings out the dialogue. Um, and, and in this, there's clear, I mean, there's a gun, there's a chase, but, but watching Cranston be so informed of his character is what makes this episode so good. When, when he looks at Mulder's fucking, when he looks at Mulder's ID, he's like, oh God, like you can tell Brian Cranston thought a lot about that moment and he already had a feeling in his gut to have, right? Yeah. I'm going to immediately feel and react this way. It's so, so that, good. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Boy. Such a good open. Sorry, I know. I'm a Brian Cranster suck up, but can, we, can you talk to me about old? Talk to me about old fucking crater face. Oh, crater face. This Who's was that? savagery. What's that? Crater face, dude. Who's crater face. The lady with the side of her head gone. I was like, this is wicked graphic oh. for fucking Fox TV. <laughs> Holy shit! Yeah, you could drive a truck through that head, dude. I'm like, is this fucking? Mm. This is Kennedy here. What are we doing? <laughs> Back into the right. Yeah. Crater face, crater head, you mean? Yeah, okay. Crater I'm, head, yeah, my I'm, fault, my fault. <laughs> I'm with you. Yeah, pretty fucking gnarly. I mean, I joked around before about how they, you know, pull back and essentially didn't show anything and still mm-hmm. gave that good visceral thing. They make up for it by really fucking showing it here. I mean, ooh. I mean, that that shot as Scully looks down on it, and then when it, the camera really gets in there. Ooh, man. And you're like... Yeah, what kind of tissue are we dealing with? And there's what are we looking at here, Bobby? F- <laughs> what's what's Bobby what Bowen putting us into here? The fuck are we doing? <laughs> and then that thing bursts on her. Ugh. Fuck. Which is I'm glad you brought that up because it's shocking, but not as shocking as the beginning, right? This is more jump scare. 
Right. That's right. more like, like you said, it has this visceral, like, ugh, it's a news camera. It just looks real. Yeah. It looks real. Yeah. Like, if you've ever seen footage of, like, somebody actually getting killed that got caught on, like, news camera TV, it feels, even though you see way less than you see on many movies and TV, the fact that it's like your brain knows it's real. Sure, that, sure. It almost is where your brain shifts to in this, like, ugh. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Actually, that yeah. neural pathway is yeah. probably dug out from too much YouTube police shooting video. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. it's fucked up to say, but probably true. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> too many rabbit holes delved down that should never have been delved down. <laughs> and uh, you know, it's funny. At first, I I didn't remember exactly what was causing this, and I was like, oh, is there was there a little trigger in there? Was there metal in his in her head? I couldn't remember. Yeah, she says something about the fragments there, and I think maybe that's kind of like a red herring thing to to I think so. put some of that in in your mind of like maybe there was a device or something in there. Yeah, while she lives in Sherlock Park, she's probably a piece of shit meth head, you know. <laughs> probably <laughs> just yeah. being a douche. But no, um, yeah, it's uh, I like how she gets on the horn immediately, and she's like, "Oh shit!" Yeah, I mean, she reacts as a medical doctor and has to assume. This is communicable, and especially when they find out there's a second mm. victim. Mm. Yeah, right? that's where things get interesting, Josh. You're like, wait, somebody else's head fucking popped open? <laughs> yes. What are we What are we talking about here? And they find out that, <clears throat> I think the location was close by, but not necessarily super adjacent. But then when Scully makes the conjecture that this uh, the second victim, I guess, was a uh, worked for the electric company. Yes. So maybe he showed up at, uh, at the old crumb crumb residence. <laughs> oh, weird old, name. Yeah. Crump, crump, not crumb. Yeah. I got you. And, um, maybe showed up to read the meter. And yeah. then in that case, you're like, fuck, we're definitely dealing with something communicable, right? I mean, yeah. it has to be. No, no time for the old in out loan. Just here to check the meter. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Kubrick. And I guess uh, that, you know, this tips to what you're saying, this separating the agents, but putting them both into their own kind of action and dealing with their own crisis. And and especially early on, you kind of feel like they're both at risk. Sure. You know, Scully is exposed to this thing and it it, it really hits home when these other doctors show up and they're Mm -hmm. in, you know, full hazmat gear and Scully's stripped down because she's like, she's fucking in it. Right. right, and in in uh, and I think a good choice from a script perspective to 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 give Gilligan some credit is the fact that they have another medical examiner in the room. So now we're going, oh fuck! Like, is Scully going to watch his bitch's head explode? Oh, I, yeah. I couldn't remember that. Could and she I was could like, just be there to be a a, a fucking uh, yes? Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh no, because red shirt. In in you know you said this earlier, and it's a very very good observation, man. But you talked about how we don't get that sort of tropey shit where we were like, ah, FBI, blah, blah, blah. Right. When the, the local cops aren't like that. Yeah. Not only that, but this medical examiner feels very competent, not like a bumbling idiot. And I like that. Yep. Cause we've, we've seen that before. Everybody here yes. is pretty good at their jobs. Yes. And they're, yes. but they're yes. still grateful that the FBI is there yes. because they, they want to catch the bad guy. Imagine that. Yeah. They want to figure out what the fuck's going on. Right. They solve this. And I they, thought, they want what are bad guys? Unlike Mulder. But. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I like about this because it makes you go, oh, this woman could be in trouble. And I kind of give a shit. I mean, not crazy amount, but she's competent. She's professional. She's not a doddering idiot. Yeah. 
and you go, oh man, they're, they're stuck in this place. I'm like, is this lady going to croak? Yeah, because Scully's not. So if somebody's going to be put fine. a body count. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, um, and you already mentioned how great, uh, once they get out of quarantine, we're jumping around a bit, it doesn't that's matter. Right. But yeah. when they go out to the Crumps for the first time, Dude. and they're actually on scene there, Mulder's doing his thing, driving around with a gun in the back of his head. Yes, after a um, daring escape out of an Ambo. Yeah. Oh, by, yeah. Uh, Cranston. By the way, no bodies. Did you notice when he opened the door that all those guys were alive? Yes. That's a very important point because you're right. he's. You're like he's not trying to kill people. What, what's what's going on? What's this obsession? Yeah. Because at first, like, is he trying to get away? Like, what is going on? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. He, but he has uh, a gun, and he's a raving madman. And Cranston's a good actor, so we're not sure. Like, God, is he gonna? I don't want him to just blow somebody. Well, like, we don't know. He's 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 a loose fucking cannon. There's something about waving around a big revolver that it's it's great. It just it denotes feels, a certain sort of manicness, doesn't it? It does. I think it that's does. What it, like I just feel different. If that was like a Glock, it, I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't have the same feeling to me. It's I don't know so why. funny you say that. That's such a great fucking point, and I totally agree. Why is that? Like every good madman is waving around a big yes. chrome revolver. Jesus Christ, dude. I think you just hit some sort of pay dirt <laughs> and there's oil squirting high into the sky of television analysis. Honest I to God. Think of the last time. Dude, it's so fucking true. <laughs> I'm pretty fucking... sure he does the same thing in, in Breaking Bad in his underwear. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, dude. I don't know what it is. It's something about, is it the like, keys your head back to like deer hunter, Russian roulette? That's got to like, be deep in that DNA. Bro. I, don't, right. I don't know, man. It's, There's something about a madman scratching his, his fucked up hair with a muzzle of a 357. <laughs> right? It feels like, they won't leave me alone. They won't leave me alone. You know, like, let's <laughs> just imagine that. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a thing. Definitely a thing. Oh, it works. God, that's so funny, dude. Dude, do you want to hear something that's? Uh, it, it sucks because it's it it has almost ruined scenes to me. Ruined and, and it, it ruined ruined, and it affected me this time. I don't even know if I want to tell you because it might affect you as well. So that that scene when they show up to the trailer here shortly yes. when when Scully brings the team out there and they're in the hazmat suits. I either read an article about this or maybe it was like a video or something like that, but it was making a comment about how there's lots of movie and TV that has this really cool helmet effect like they have. You know, they're out there at night. Think about it for a second. It actually makes no sense because when they do that, (laughs) those lights are there to light up the actors' faces. The lights are inside right. the helmets, yes, which would yes. literally make it harder for you to see. Like it would point. make it would make the glass like <laughs> semi-reflective. You wouldn't be able to see fucking dick. They're just bumbling into each other, <laughs> just bumping into <laughs> each other. I mean, you could probably kind of see the other people's faces because they're lit up too. But if you looked out into the darkness, hold a fucking flashlight to the side of no both of your shit. eyeballs. You can't fucking see. And dude, I hate it because now, like, as soon as I see it, I'm like, you guys can't fucking see anything. Damn it. <laughs> it's really annoying. But it looks awesome. I know. Like, you see it in, like, Alien and yeah. fucking Gravity. Like, it's in sci-fi movies all the time. Yeah, they want to see your face. That's so funny. 
Yeah, Maja made a good point a little earlier in the chat too. Of uh, the trailer scene looks a lot like Stranger Things. Bet the Duffer Brothers watch this. Yeah, it does have that. Does absolutely, have that absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Huh. So there you go. Hopefully, I ruined um, <clears throat> ruined some magic of Hollywood for everybody. That's what we're here for. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Yeah, or very simply, as Maja also says in the chat, try staring out the window with lights on inside, and it's dark outside. Yeah, yeah you don't fucking see shit. I, which is the dumbest thing always. Anytime I see a horror movie, when people are turning all the lights on, I go, absolutely not. Turn all the outside lights on. Turn all the inside lights off right now. <laughs> yes. And you have a distinct advantage over the attacker. Yep. Unless they're already in your house. But even then you do, because you know where shit is. Turn right. all the lights off. Right. They're not going to be like Buffalo Bill with fucking NVGs, right? <laughs> that fucking, uh-oh. <laughs> yep, she's in sure. trouble. Dean, what did you think about the culprit of the episode? What do you think about the elf? The elf and the harp. The you know elf, about the harp. harp, the sea. Uh, I don't know about harp. Conspiracy guys pretty much love it, but there's something interesting about it. Harp, Wikipedia. High-frequency active oral research program was initiated as an ionospheric research program generally funded by the U.S. Air Force, the U.S. Navy, University of Alaska Fairbanks and Defense Advanced Research Projects Analysis, DARPA. It was DARPA. designed and built by Bay Advanced Tech. Its original purpose was to analyze the ionosphere and investigate the potential for developing ionospheric enhancement technology for radio communications and surveillance. As a university-owned facility, HARP is a high-power, high-frequency transmitter used for a study of the ionosphere. The most prominent instrument HARP is the ionos- uh, uh, at HARP is the ionospheric research instrument, a high-power radio frequency transmitter facility operating in the high-frequency band. The IRI is used to temporarily excite a limit area of ionosphere. It goes on and on for a lot of technical jargon, but um, there's a lot of discussion about the old HARP antenna array, and I highly recommend checking it out. Project hmm. overview, yeah. A lot cool. of uh, surveillance stuff, a lot of, uh, you know, stuff like that. A lot of like, oh, what is this? What are we doing over here? What is this place? I love these kind of me too like, conspiracy kind of things. Once you get DARPA involved and yep. acoustic I think this shit. was handled quite well, actually. Yeah, I like it. I like it me because too. it's all based on real shit, too. Yes. And it never gets bananas. It never gets bananas, and it's kind of cool too that it's it might just be a mistake. It's not even the government like deliberately doing evil shit; just the government being the government and fucking up, and then trying to keep it quiet. Yeah, I like that. That's a nice twist. Like it doesn't have to be this vast conspiracy. It's just another one of these many, many fucking government secret programs that are funded that are doing whatever. And, you know, shit happens and some people get hurt or killed and they kind of hush it up. Like, that is not a conspiracy. That shit has happened many times. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. Ask a black person why they're they're nervous about the COVID vaccine. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Go back to when the fucking government was testing fucking smallpox and other weird shit on, like, African-Americans. Oh, cool. Yeah. Remember that thing? Was Was it you and I talking about, remember the spraying the street shit? Oh, God, yeah. But that was yeah. the next files We talked about that, too, because that was a thing from, like, the 60s or 50s. Yeah, the kids are, like, running along behind the fucking DDT <laughs> spraying thing. <laughs> yes. And that shit's, that, I mean, there's historical precedent, like, like, Agent, like, he says Agent Orange. That's fucking real, man. They're like, no, it's fine. And then all these fucking poor GIs are like, yeah, I have cancer after fighting in Vietnam. That's awesome. So, cool life. Thanks. <laughs> you, you know? know? 
Agent Orange and radiation and retarded little kids go nuts. Yeah, apparently that's what it is. Same thing. Fluoride, but, uh, yeah. Precious bodily fluids, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the whole, I don't know a lot about it, but like, you know, I, I had to deal with radio equipment a little bit. Yeah, I don't know if you know this. <clears throat> I was in the Marines, so no big deal. <laughs> now that I've said it, you're going to fucking be all over it. <laughs> no, I've, but like, so radio waves are are cool in that the different bands, like it all works differently. And, you know, if you think of it as like a wavelength, you look at like a sound wave, yeah. the tighter together they are, the higher frequency, the further apart they are, the lower frequency. Yeah. And the shit that's really low frequency can go for hundreds or thousands of miles and through lots of shit through shit. Yeah. So yeah. like this, the stuff that's really high frequency, like, um, it's line of sight basically. Mm-hmm. So what you talk to like aircraft with, or like walkie talkies that, you know, if there's a couple buildings in between you already get like staticky, like that's UHF. Like you yeah. can talk to a plane that's five miles up and a hundred miles away because it's still basically direct line of sight. But you know, if then, then, you know, if there, if there's a couple, if there's a hill blocking it, you basically fucking lose it essentially or, or can, and then the lower frequency stuff they use to like talk to submarines that are fucking 3000 miles out in the Pacific. Fucking crazy. And it's just like, and that's kind of, that's what this whole project seafarer thing is. And just the fact that these radio waves just bouncing like the slow Mm. transmission going out, and like, you know, very cold war, these fucking subs that are out there on three month long patrols and they're, you know, just coming up to fucking bring in some, uh, bring in the, the transmission and it's fucking wild. And that ELF, so extreme low frequency mm. and, and the antenna is massive. It's like miles long, essentially. And yeah. that's what the crumps basically, oops, your fucking trailer parks on top of a giant government antenna. Right. And what does the fucking lieutenant say later on in the episode? We had a slight <laughs> power surge. Yeah. Oh, great. Mm. Thanks, buddy. Cool. That's awesome. Cool. Um, I thought that I thought her interaction with him was really good. They could have easily TV'd this up, right? And he was just like, blah, blah, blah. And then he doesn't really confirm nor deny anything. And when she tries to kind of get more, he doesn't take it, even though she's sort of conning her way in. Uh, it was believable on both ends. Like, I like that he wasn't like a super like conspiracy, like aware of everything. Like, he kind of was exactly. like, "Oh yeah, the FBI has shown up to ask questions about it." I already answered FCC questions, but it's not wholly unbelievable that there's some crossover. You know, it, sure. it, it came off very believable. Like you said, they they, they don't overplay their hand with it. They and don't I think that's over what, television it, right? Yeah, it's nice. It's nice. Um, it's funny you're talking about all this frequency stuff, and I couldn't help but think of Star Trek. You know, change the frequency of the phasers to penetrate the shield shit. But um, you've heard of the brown note? <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> the brown note is something apparently so low frequency enough that if it hits your body, you would lose control of your bowels and shit your pants, right? Yes, or or, or something like that. Which and the was idea was it was very hypothetical, right? Right. And the idea was it was this uh, hypothetical like frequency that would cause harm because of the resonance at which it's going. And uh, they tried to actually create on Mythbusters and couldn't. (laughs) (laughs) So they don't think you can, but um, they were using like, dude, the subwoofers they were using, dude, you you have to watch the episode, especially because you know like speaker shit from back in the day. Oh yeah. And they were trying to get it like 
28 hertz, just like, <laughs> so like low. low, 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 or even lower. Um, yeah. They're, Cause I think they're saying it has to get down below 10 Hertz or something, but it's oh, pretty sure. wild. That What's idea the limit of human hearing is like 60. Is that, I want to say 60, but I don't know. Or 20. Is it, it 20 do, It Hertz changes. 20? It changes. It depends on the person too. It's known women can hear higher frequencies than men. Is that why they fucking nag you way up there? It's it's the screech way up in that nagging fucking. I call that the nagging frequent the, yeah. the nagging note. Can we call it the nag note? Fuck! <laughs> <The nag> <laughs> <laughs> uh, why do they listen? But um, oh, you know it's funny too. I looked uh, recently. I've just been doing a bunch of different research <laughs> shit. But I actually checked our uh, iTunes reviews. There was a couple of recent ones, and oh, I Jesus. love that a bunch of times now when we get positive reviews. Like, and it's from a woman, they have to say, like, oh, by the way, this is from a woman. Like, they have to justify, like, it's no, no, so no. crazy. Because there's so a crazy. fucking million ones in the other direction. <laughs> anyway. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, listen, we lower ourselves to reading smut for you guys. We're going to hammer you once in a while, too. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, hurts ratings aside, Josh. Yeah, hurts aside, it all, uh, it all wraps up well. And you know what? We haven't, uh, Besides talking about him as a good actor, we haven't given much time to one you know, what only? you might call like the main part of the episode, which is actual time with with Cranston to Coveney, Crump and Mulder in the car Dude, here. Crump Mulder, what a duo! Man, we've talked a lot about what's make things that have made this episode great, but the fact that to not mention this, I mean, this is fucking awesome. The Coveney's great. Coveney's great, and I don't say great; I say good a lot with the Coveney. Unless we're talking Californication, but no, he's he's legitimately great in this because to watch him, he's he's stuck in a car and he has to grow sympathetic for this man via expressions he's communicating to us and in a rearview mirror. Yes, right. And, yep, and I like too that, especially after a certain point, he doesn't really play the like if you if if the FBI were to write up a. You know, here's the script you go with if you're ever taken hostage or you're dealing with a hostage taker. He he really becomes very moldery. Yes, right. And, and it's <laughs> and maybe it's silly to like give credit to a actor for playing their character as their character, but I mean, like he sinks into it in a very believable way when he he kind of eventually gets a feel for Crump and he starts to grow a little, little sympathetic, but he's still obviously wary. But he lets you know. He kind of gives some digs back and forth. Yes. And, and as he's trying to goad information out of him, uh, I just, I like their dynamic. And we talked about it to lead off. And I won't, I don't want to dive back down into that hole, except that, you know, as we're talking about it, there, I think it is important that they start off with these characters really butting heads, not just the obvious way that one of them fucking is taking the other one hostage, but. Personality wise or <laughs> yeah. perspective wise, I think yeah. they do he have took, to took him hostage, Josh, but he called him a Jew. Okay. <laughs> One of them is the real what's the real microaggression here? <laughs> he stuck um, a gun in his neck, but, but even worse. He dropped a hard he said, J. Jew FBI. Hard J. So there's that. A I do monster. Like, you already mentioned like Mulder's <laughs> kind of like so taken aback by it. He's like, oh, He's like, sorry, I believe in every single conspiracy. I forgot there were like conspiracies about this kind of silly shit. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Yeah, but they're good together, man. And it's yeah, it's so good. It's easy to see Cranston's chops. Yeah, 
Totally. You know, like you, you watch this guy and you're like, this guy has to go on and, and become somebody, right? Like if you didn't, didn't know he was yes. in Breaking Bad, you'd be like, okay. I mean, we're, we're, we're shooting him. And listen, you, we can talk about Dwayne Barry and I, and I believe me, I don't want it to be smart. I mean, he's fine, but he's really doing Dwayne Barry, right? Yes. Like Cranston is just Cranston being a guy who's like really in a tense situation and really struggling with it. I mean, he, he, he just doesn't go over the it. top with it. No, he, he, it's so fucking good. It feels but like, like a, a person. He feels like a person, exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and it's just so good to watch to watch these guys. You know, you see it on TV all the time. Like you said, he gets in the Agent Orange and uh, he's going at shit. But like just watching him and in, in watching Mulder think like, huh. But yeah, he, he starts to win Mulder over. And in probably the best part, I, I don't know if we're quite ready to march our way towards the end, I, I, although but we probably should. Let's go to it. Yeah, I, I had a question so I want to ask about it. It's it's so good. Dude. I, I am a fucking huge fan of the way this episode ends with him dying off camera and the reveal coming when they catch up in Mulder's facial expression because that's all on Duchovny right there. Okay, Cranston's out of the episode. You're done. You can't ride Cranston, right? Now you're... now. You have your eyeballs. We got a close shot on you. We've already seen the telltale signs of the fucking blood on the window. It's so fucking effective. You just go, oh my God. And because of what the guy said, because of the truth that we know by the end of the episode, despite his bullshit, you know, bigotry, we go, that's a fucking shame. And Mulder makes us feel like something. Like, I, that's... That's a thing. Like, like uh, I don't know about you. I don't always, I'm not, like, what gets me is other people's reactions to shit. When I see other people hurting for somebody they love or something, um, that's what gets me. That's what makes things tough for me. Like, yes. I can muscle my way through, like, things, certain things. Obviously, some things you never will be able to. But, like, seeing people I care about in distress is tough. So, like, when I, I care about Mulder, you know, I can understand it's a TV show, but watching Scully run over there and we don't see him sitting up in, in the cameras, just watching her come over. We see the blood in the frame and then we see Mulder and the, and we're basically just saying, look at Mulder. And he just, the, the face says it all. Like he's thinking he's, he's nervously sort of got his thumbs rubbing on the, uh, on the, on the uh, steering wheel. He steps out of the car without a word. He leaves the door open and he just kind of walks to the edge of that pier. And I just love that. I think it's so effective. And and just like we said with the um the the medical, I'm sorry, military facility research, like that whole part of it, trying not doing too much, keeping it like Yes, dude. Yes. Dude, like wouldn't the T V thing do to be to have the big climax? And and yes, he still might die, but like they get there, they pull him out, they're on the ambulance, the music's kinda there in the background, Scully's trying and it's just too it, they're too late and boom and there's a big dramatic moment to to do this is man that's like a pro fucking that's some that's some writing jujitsu it's really good it, it's really really good because we've seen these guys sort of fail cases before and we've gone and we and it's almost funny but this is one where because Cranston is such a real guy because his portrayal of Crump is so strong. And because Duchovny and him were so good in the car and we had this race against time that we really felt like he was going to get out of this. And, and it's really, it's, you know, to your point, 
this big climax wouldn't have worked. We needed to feel deflated, like fuck. Yeah. Like in De- that's in it's shot in a way that makes us feel deflated. Deflated and defeated. Yes. It's great. Yeah. It's really, Man, really good. Without a great. fight. Without a fight. He's just like think about how that goes. He's just sitting there driving and then boom and the guy's gone. And he yes. has to keep driving to the end of the fucking pier and then that's it. And 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 they had they had plenty of nice dramatic moments like during the episode. You know what I mean? Like there was mm-hmm. there was plenty of conflict. There was plenty of tension. There was plenty of stuff on Scully's side and on Mulder's side. And what a perfect way to kind of subvert the expectations and and to have it be this horribly deflating anticlimax. Mm-hmm. And it just fuck. And then uh, the cherry on top of that is then they go back and they get railed out for their fucking expenses. Yeah. The denouement, as they say. They get an expense hammering. And I love this. This is also excellently done by Gilligan. Because he's saying, you know everything that Crump just said. You know what happened. We know what happened. And now you're going to stand before a man who represents that power, right? Yes. And who represents that. I know. And who represents that, uh, that like subterfuge. And his completely, his complete uncaring for that guy and thus all of those people in that park, right? I, and I love dude, that shit. He's reiterating costs like in the hundreds of dollars. Yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. They, they got three bodies out there and, and what Mulder just went through. And he's like, this was $424. This expense, $500 to the payment <laughs> for taking this car. And I like too that... <clears throat> Mulder, Mulder's not afraid of Kirsch, and he almost, you know, the attitude of a man who just doesn't really have much to lose. Yes. You know? He was in that so, car, man. He shook up. Yep. He's real flippant. He's a real fucking flippant back to, uh, to Kirsch I, here. I dig it. I dig it. Yep. It's good, man. But I just wanted to say, Kirsch, what happened to you, brother? God damn, what happened, brother? You know what I'm man. saying? You become the man, God, Dan. Brutal. Oh, God damn it, dude. In the chat, Andrew Johnson, Pathos. Again, X-Files is the best at it. I still don't <laughs> understand any of that, those words. <laughs> don't you dare send me in this rabbit hole tonight. Pathos and ethos. <laughs> I hate it. I don't get it, Dean. I don't Ready? get it's it. It's a quality that evokes pity. Is that good enough for you? That's what pathos is? I mean, if you want to get simple in the way it's being used right now to describe this television show, yes. Okay. Um. Well, that's drive, baby. Drive, drive, crushing it. Well crushing great, it. Big, great episode. I love it. It's really good. Yeah, great up. Thanks, uh, thanks to to Mike for making this pick. Awesome app. Very cool to get to talk about it before. Thanks uh, for all the comments too, guys. Really good this week. <laughs> yeah. What are you guys been hanging out with Audrey? Fucking <laughs> skipped it. Skipped it. Didn't have hey, time. Didn't have time. Gonna, to gonna, fucking yeah. Cool. Hey, doing this really cool episode, like three seasons away. You know, it's a big, oh, kind of fun, different thing. Thanks for taking the time to uh, make two comments about it. Nice. Cool. We're on, that so, old, we're, on, we're on the old Audrey schedule, I guess. Yeah, That's too fun. busy watching WoW Twitch streams. Really gripping stuff. Sick. Ah, cool. What clan are you in? That's awesome. Oh, I'm really, I really hope you guys are all gathered on the TV watching the inauguration. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. Nothing makes me happier than knowing you... S- Yes, skipped us on a special episode for a love, 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 emphatic love for this Big episode, love. Josh. 
big love. It was a it was a love going into it, but I I love it a lot more for a lot more ways I could enumerate. You really uh, I like a lot of stuff you brought up. You put some really cool perspective on uh, on some things, and uh, man, this is just one of those episodes where I sit back and watch and 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 think about it after we talk about it, and it's like yeah. this show is so fucking good. God damn. God damn. God damn. A lot of, lot of hidden gems. People people won't give a TV show a shot, and there's so many gems in them. And I know I'm guilty of it, too. But, like, man, some good fucking writing right there. Yep. And good good, good picture good picture, good picture, telling. Storytelling with pictures. Well done. Rob Bowman, what else is new? It's funny, dude. It's, like, the most fucking generic way to put that of all time. But <laughs> I, I took a uh, senior <laughs> high school. I took a film is literature class. <laughs> and uh the the teacher was actually fucking awesome he was one of my favorite high school teachers but he would always say films show films show that's so true <laughs> dude but it's like it's like a that's dumb so but it's funny like, that's it like it's you know boiled down what you talked about like being able to instantly powerfully convey visual imagery yeah and uh yeah Boom. And this fucking, uh, this guy Bowman, man, he gets it. He gets yeah, he's, it. He's it's funny gangster. too, of like what makes great directors. And, uh, you know, it's funny cause you mentioned Tarantino. I mean, I'm not a movie critic, so like easy. My fucking opinion doesn't mean that much, but like, you know, if you take away his writing, I'm not sure Tarantino is that great of a director. Uh, I, I, I would say that I am, Mm, kind of in agreement with that, with the exception of his most recent movie, he kind of flex a little. Which one was that? The the Hollywood picture there. Oh, oh yeah. Be- because okay. he really went visual. But to your point, he's he's good. At, he's a master tension builder through dialogue. Right. Right. I he's almost feel like at- a lot of his movies would be just as good as like a stage play. Because it's be. about it's about the interaction, not like the visuals of it. It, it is, yes, because he's not he, he's he's not he's not visually sweeping. He's not going to visually blow you away, right? Outside, in 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 its in there's exceptions. There are exceptions to that rule, but generally speaking, when you watch Pulp Fiction, you're not watching anything that's visually blowing your mind. You're watching really good editing by the late Sally Mank, and you're watching really good writing. Which is which is his forte? Are we but, gonna bookend this day with us fucking living up our ass criticizing Quentin Tarantino? No, but your point is, but your point is well said. He's not super visually compelling as often as 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 people might think. But 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 that's kind of up our own ass, like eye of the camera shit. Like if you look at his pictures versus Kubrick's, you go, no, okay, right. one guy's a master shot composer like there's just no contest right if you look at the visuals of the shining you go this is fucking mind-blowingly good or or even like uh even scorsese has really good visual stuff a lot of times he does slick stuff like that but but tarantino has started to flex that more as of late but usually he's his cameras are close to people aren't they he's not usually going for like villeneuve sweeping shooting or like but that's just not the stories he's telling Outside of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I highly recommend. I highly recommend that movie because it's visually engaging. It's visually engaging. But yeah, he is, he's, I mean, 
he's when you exit a Tarantino movie, you go, that was fucking entertaining as shit. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, Rewatchable as a motherfucker. Like, as a motherfucker. Almost every single one. Right. But to your point, visual visual composition, there's there's a lot of guys who are more visually appealing. Like classic Ridley Scott, for example. Yeah. Like yeah. visual, you go, woof, what a fucking eyeball, you know? <laughs> what, a, what an eyeball. <laughs> Oof, what an eyeball on this, guys. Hateful Eight's great, Jessica. I agree. That might right. be the only Tarantino movie I haven't seen yet. I really dug it. I don't know why I never did, but you can watch a three and a half hour Tarantino movie and and you never look up. Like that's what he's so good at. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. The tension of think of the tension of Chris Waltz <laughs> when he's like in the goddamn French milk farmer's house. Oh God, I love that. <laughs> so fucking sick. Wait, they do and, that in Hateful Eight, like or something similar. The the whole movie is 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 we. There's a bunch of people together with mixed motivations. Hmm. Okay. Yep. Yeah, it's cool. it's the, the long and short of it is it it opens in the snow. There's a prisoner being transported by Kurt Russell, and um, and this is uh, and they're in a carriage, and the carriage is heading to this this spot, and you don't know what's going on or, or who the people are when they get there, and then things aren't what they seem. It's not supernatural or anything. It's very much Western, and and you start to realize certain truths about certain things, and the tension is just. It's it's overwhelmingly good because you a nope. you there's a meta Tarantino aspect where you go yeah this is gonna go south right and it's something weird is going on here and he's just so good at building that with with fancy words anyway good shit man well fucking great episode solid love thanks to uh, thanks to Mike for for picking it and uh, I guess uh, we'll we'll be back to the scheduled programming in in, uh, in two weeks picking picking up season four. Picking up where we left off, man. All right. Well, that sounds like fun. Well, Josh, as you know, in the spirit of X-Files, why don't you tell these good people goodbye? We'll be picking up with some big old piles of manure. You've been listening to the X-Files podcast by LSG Media. Visit us on the web at libertystreetgeek.net. That's libertystreetgeek.net. Thank you.